Hello, and welcome to Ramblings of Self-Discovery, the unedited um, (laughs) mental meanderings uh, of my experiences since being divorced. Today I wanted to talk about the first um, man friend I made actually friend, nothing more than friend, um, when I was first on my own. Uh, The initial, I think as I've touched on, sort of depressive state I went in, where I was not showering and sitting on the couch all day, feeling bad for myself, watching Netflix. That lasted for, I think it must have lasted for about six months um, after my husband moved out we actually had to cohabitate for about 10 months from the date that we decided we were done or he decided I guess he was done to him actually moving out because in that time we had to sort out the separation agreement and the legalities of everyone's rights and who gets what sort of thing um, before he would move out. So we lived together for 10 months and it was very difficult. I think there was a lot of strain in the house and I spent a lot of time in my room. uh, Kind of, I would make dinner and then just go to my room and the kids and their dad would eat dinner. Anyway, that's not what I'm focusing on today. Excuse me. Um, After about six months, as I said, sort of feeling bad for myself and not taking care of myself at all, just kind of withering up, I some some part of my mind said to said to myself uh, that I had I had to get up off the couch and do something else Uh, and then the question was what do I do Uh, (laughs) not to mention how do I do it because going I mean it's really hard to be social going from being uh, depressed into a social environment is taxing uh, at least from my experience um Trying to move out of a depressive depression was tricky, but some some part of my mind outside of the depression thinking focus uh, said to get off the couch, or I was literally going to become the couch. Um, and I I don't think I was too far off uh, becoming the couch. I think it actually scared me how much of myself I had lost and become out of touch with. A little, uh, getting a little glimpse of myself, sort of stepping outside myself and looking, looking at myself, too many myself words. (laughs) Don't think there's any rules about how many times you can use the same word. But anyway, it was like stepping out of my body and looking back at my scenario sitting on the couch every day 
watching My Name is Earl and whatever else I could find. Um, I just realized how much of me was, was gone and <clears throat> there was no joy. I mean, it was just awful. And I just thought, nope, uh, I don't care what I have to do. I have to get off this couch and go do something. Anyway, so what I ended up doing is uh, looking at sort of uh, the city's interest groups that existed. I don't know how prevalent it is now, but um, back in, I guess, 2013, by the time I had decided I needed to, to go do something, um, it was... 2013, early 2013, maybe March or April. And I just went online and looked <clears throat> at the information regarding people gathering in groups in the city where I lived and just with common interests. So I was searching and searching all the different topics, <clears throat> excuse me, and common interests and uh, honed in on one group that seemed to be like it would be full of um, smart people or interesting people or both smart and interesting people, <clears throat> smart and interesting. So I, I clicked on the appropriate buttons and signed up and, and went to one of these gatherings of people I didn't know, total strangers. And looking back, it was, I realized I mean, even on a good day, it's awfully intimidating to walk into a gathering of people who you don't know and who probably know each other to some degree um, or they're well-established uh, meeting with each other. So at any rate, I went. We met at a local restaurant in my city and I went a little bit early so I'd be able to find a place to sit. I was a bit worried, you know, walking in late just makes you stand out. So I found a place to sit early on. I was one of the first few people there and other people slowly arrived. And um, yeah, it was indeed a group of probably nerdy, techie, smart looking people. <clears throat> Some were well-dressed, others were not, and I would classify myself, <coughs> excuse me, as one of the people who was not well-dressed. <laughs> I think I was probably disheveled or 50% sheveled and 50% disheveled. I did shower. Uh, that that was a big plus. And um, it, I have to admit it felt, although very scary to be there, just because I didn't know what to expect, it did feel good to be off the sofa. And I think maybe kind of the fake it till you make it attitude, um, for me anyway, when it was trying to pull myself out of the depress depression I was in, was just um, trying to pretend I was used to going out and trying not to be awkward, um, even though I felt awkward. So everyone eventually gathered, sat around, and, and I was very quiet, but the conversation, people didn't necessarily talk about um, their techie or, or brainy topics. Um, 
although they did, but it was just, uh, it was informal. There was no set agenda. People would order hors d'oeuvres or finger foods and off the menu and just chat about anything. So I was able to sit there and not really expected to contribute too much. People introduced themselves, which was friendly, and I responded with a smile and my name, of course. And um, just kind of the the niceties that come with meeting a stranger, you know, what's your name? What do you do for a living? Do you have kids? <laughs> that sort of thing. Are you new here? And uh, there's even though there's not a lot of depth in that kind of conversation, it's a really great icebreaker, and I have an appreciation for the function it serves in in the um, opening of a door to getting to know somebody. Uh, so there was a, a man sitting across the table from me, and he was talking to people. And um, there was another gentleman who was, I would say, kind of visually quirky kind in what he was wearing and in what he was saying um humorous there were so I was listening to this this uh I would say quirky guy standing at the end of the table talking about um jousting actual jousting although not like real jousting with horses, I don't think, um, but he was standing there in a red turtleneck uh, holding a jousting helmet. So I think he was a jousting fan. I don't know that there's anywhere to actually joust, but I'm guessing he has um, a costume or outfit that goes with that helmet. And he was just so proud of it. Uh <laughs> I, I had to admire it and I can't say that I've never done something similar by taking a a strange or unique uncharacteristic object to a social gathering because I have done that um, I once brought a 20 inch tall plastic Chewbacca doll-ish per thing to a bar I was really proud of it <laughs> at the time, so I brought it to the pub. But um, what a weird thing to do. And my kids certainly said that it was a weird thing to do. That and bring that in my end. I had a Pez dispenser, which I was offering people Pez candies with. <laughs> there were a few takers, but mostly people just looked at me oddly for, you know, pulling back the head on this Pez candy dispenser while a Pez candy shot out the front of it. Um, anyway, I, th I don't know why I did that. I have no explanation. So coming back to this man with the jousting helmet, I think it's uh, he was definitely passionate about it. And um, at some point during his story, I just I just started to laugh with a, like a quiet smile on my face. And I glanced across the table at this um, man across the table who at that exact instance was also laughing at this, you know, politely laughing or being humored by this man with a jousting helmet. And uh, that was the beginning of what has become a very close and dear friendship that I have 
to this day. And I, I believe it was 2013 when we became friends. Um, either that or 2014, but it doesn't matter. But it was uh, early on anyway. And um, we chatted a little bit and at that particular meeting. But he's he's the reason I went back to that group. I think it, he was just a nice, smart person and he seemed interesting. So, excuse me, now I have the hiccups. Um, so when I went back to the meeting a few weeks later, uh, he was there again, which was great because he was literally the only reason I had any desire to go back. <clears throat> And, um, except I was seated so far away from him, uh, that I didn't get a chance to speak to him at all. So after about an hour or an hour and a half or so, I decided I was going to get up and go. And I got up and left or got uh, headed to the door and he stopped me with a very probing personal question, which, um, had me kneeling down beside his chair in the restaurant and deciding yeah, sure, I'll answer that question. It's very personal and probing. I can't remember exactly what it was, um, but uh, it was about relationships, I think. And I just decided, okay, I've got nothing to lose. I mean, that is kind of the beauty of of hitting rock bottom, which is, I think, what I hit uh, post-divorce time. When you hit rock bottom, you really have nothing to lose. I didn't have any dignity or pride. Uh, I think on a good day, I don't typically have a lot of dignity or pride. So certainly coming out of a depressive or trying to exit a depressive state, I definitely didn't have any. Um, so I really had nothing to lose. And so it's an it's an interesting way to begin friendships when you have nothing to lose. Uh, because I think you're almost more honest. You're not even trying to put on any kind of um, cloak or mask or whatever to be perceived in a certain way. I just didn't care how I was perceived. It didn't, I didn't give it a lot of thought. Um, This man was and is married and was married at the time. Uh, And so uh, there was no kind of intention on my part for it to be romantic. I'm not interested in married people. Um, yeah, it was a very freeing friendship that actually, um, I mean, I guess I'm coming up on 10 years of friendship with this with this man. He's about 10 years younger than I am and smart and actually good looking. Um, uh, but, uh, I think what was most captivating was just his ability to (laughs) ask very, very probing questions that people just don't typically ask. And there was a real freedom in just being able to answer these and have these discussions, answer these questions, not really worried or not really caring about, um, any sense of pride or trying to present myself in a certain way. I mean, as a personality, I'm not much of a presenter. I'm pretty much uh, what you see is what you get, both in appearance and in personality. So I I just don't have the time or the inclination to be anything other than what I am. Uh, 
That said, now and then I do actually try to look maybe a bit more polished for certain um, occasions, but uh, I'm 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 not a fancy person. I'm not a fancy woman. I don't have fancy hair or nails, and I don't really wear a lot of makeup. Sometimes I don't wear any. Actually, a lot of the times I don't wear any. <clears throat> um, so I don't, uh, I don't, I'm not a flashy person, but I think I probably clean up pretty well <laughs> if I try, although it's a bit like Cinderella and after a certain amount of time, the shoes come off and earrings come out uh, and I can't, and I can't, I can't keep the, the polished facade up for very long. Anyway, um, over time with this new friendship, uh, we would meet up and go out, just he and I, and just talk and talk and talk and just unending conversations about literally everything and anything. Uh, and um, we've we've spoken about the beginnings of our friendship actually kind of recently and and uh, it was I mean interesting for him I think because he had to I think I was his becoming his at that time I was becoming his first real female friend that who who was not his wife so outside of his marriage you know him having a female friend which is um I mean anyone who's married you know people finding opposite sex um friends can be tricky uh, because it, it seems kind of uncommon to become close friends with someone outside of your marriage um, who is of the opposite sex or I guess of the sex that you are normally attracted to physically. Um, I'm heterosexual so my all of my analogies are going to be in that um, in that with that filter but so I think he, um, this friend of mine, he had to work through a lot of the workings of having a a friend outside his marriage who was a woman and um, how that affected conversations within his marriage. Um, yeah, I mean, he, he has said that it took some work. And even, you know, we had to kind of, he and I had to establish what was I guess appropriate for us as far as hanging out or time spent or something or, and what wasn't. And so it was actually a really uh, big learning experience, I think for him, for it within his marriage, but on my end of it, um, I, I, I think my initial shock was, was that I couldn't believe that I could have such, um, deep and fulfilling and meaningful conversations with a man in general. Uh, the conversations that I had with my husband were typically marriage-related, and they seemed to be less about each one of us as as human beings. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, I don't, I mean, I'm trying to think back, but I don't think my husband and I actually dove into deep emotional feelings of each other or of ourselves. So a lot of all of our conversations, I think, really just had to do with marriage and kids and 
the functionality of that. And, um, I mean, it's probably making my marriage sound, sound really sterile, but, uh, I, I just had never had this kind of a deep conversation. This was really the first time a man had ever spoken to me about such meaningful things in life and in, you know, things about emotions and hearts and feelings and, I found it quite shocking and and very liberating, and I I quickly um, would find myself in the depths of real conversations um, where just there's no you know no rules. We just were ex- being honest and open about what we thought about different things, uh, and even about our friendship. Um, I, I, this was a world opening up for me as far as the, the depth that I could bond with somebody, just another human, let alone a man human. Is there a better word for man human? <laughs> a male. Um, this man human friend uh, was, was becoming the, one of the closest friends I'd had to this point that uh, who was able to speak about all kinds of all kinds of topics about relationships and even sex and um, he would speak openly about that which was amazing to me and it I mean I was able to speak I'm pretty open in general so I certainly spoke about my own experiences and it was just really refreshing to have a man's thought thought process incorporated into some of my own ideas or as a reaction to some of my own ideas. The learning was um, massive, uh, for me anyway, and I, I think he was able to learn a lot about himself through our friendship as well. Um, but I I kind of feel sad that marriage has this exclusive property to it that seems to typically force people away from bonding with other people. So you're married to somebody and that becomes your only intimate emotional bond, which um, I just, it just seems crazy to do that. I mean, I've had female friends actually who I've bonded quite closely with. So perhaps I'm more focusing on the opposite gender friendships because those are typically the ones that we're not allowed to have when we're married. And I, you know, there's certainly risks when you become friends with someone of the opposite sex outside of a relationship, because it, I mean, if it does become uh, a physical thing, obviously that has ramifications within a marriage, but it's, I mean, very refreshing to hear a man's point of view on a lot of things that I think and is actually cathartic I've got hiccups again <laughs> it's cathartic to express my my female perspective to a man who isn't my husband because there's no um, price to pay really for having for being honest with my thoughts so if I'm honest with what I'm thinking in a marriage at all times um, there's going to be consequences because some of my thoughts are not going to be welcome. Um, or, and, and my thoughts carry more 
significance within a marriage. So if you're, if if I'm speaking to my husband, um, he's going to have a reaction to that, and that reaction is going to have a ripple effect uh, in our daily functioning <clears throat> of our marriage. But if I have that same reaction, or if I have that same thought expressed to a man that I am not obligated to as a life partner, I can just be completely honest, and he can be actually completely honest in his own thoughts and reactions. And there's just no, there's there's little to no um, fear of anger because no one's in a heightened emotional state. You know, marriage brings with it all these expectations and sensitivities, and I think those expectations and sensitivities have the ability to block the truth. Um, from being expressed because of the fear of consequence and the fear of reaction. And what that says about marriage is that how it functions, or at least, I mean, mine, but I have spoken to friends and other married people, and and I feel that it's fairly common that um, being completely honest in a relationship can have... Uh, ramifications or consequences that we can't always predict. And so I think sometimes people withhold the truth from partners or spouses because they because it comes with reactions and maybe it starts a fight or maybe um, it it creates physical or emotional distance between the two partners and then you have to deal with that and closing that gap and finding a way back to each other Um, and sometimes I think it really is just easier to keep thoughts to yourself sometimes because you can avoid all that but the problem is we sacrifice authenticity and I think over time when we keep these thoughts and ideas from our partners or spouses or people we've decided to share life with in in this kind of married way, um, it starts to create a relationship that is not authentic over time. Uh, Which, I mean, I I don't think that's bad if people, you know, don't want to stay together forever and what is forever. But um, I think authenticity truly is the holy grail of living and the holy grail of finding fulfillment. Um, authenticity isn't easy because people get annoyed with your true feelings and your true thoughts when you're honest. And uh, as my mother would say, you know, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. So saying something honestly and kindly, I think, is the key. Um, But honesty, I mean, what's the point in kindness if it isn't honest kindness? Uh, Then I don't actually consider it kindness. It's just some kind of a show. Uh, So I guess what I'm driving at is um, I I don't see the point in people not being wide open honest with the people who matter. I mean, we don't need to go uh, to the grocery store and bleed our heart all over a perfect stranger. Although I have to confess, I (laughs) I have done that. Um, It can be quite liberating to be somewhere... Uh, unexpected or random and to just find this person who for some reason decides to lend you their ear and you get to (laughs) 
I mean, I've said totally personal things to a complete stranger and then heard their opinion and have found that to be enlightening. Um, so I guess it does have its place, but it doesn't tend to be a way that we uh, function as people, you know, going to random places and just spilling our guts. Um, <clears throat> but it is, it is, it is, um, I think the best uh, the best way to be in a relationship is to be in it fully honestly because otherwise the relationship isn't honest and it's not authentic um, when I was married I would say I was authentic um, but I didn't know until I got divorced that I really was craving um, an emotional intimacy that comes with sharing deep feelings and getting into um, tough conversations and deep conversations. And I just, my husband and I didn't do that beyond the functionality of marriage. We didn't, feelings and emotions and thoughts, we were both, I think, pretty hypersensitive. And so if one person said something, the other one would just react and and I was very reactive I have to say I had a bad temper and I was I am an emotional person but um age has allowed me to be less um overtly reactive and trying to think more before I react I do slip up and react emotionally when when a trigger I'm emotionally triggered but um anyway with my my husband and I we um for some reason we just really reacted and and ping-ponged off each other we did have a lot of positive ways that we related but I think emotionally we didn't mesh well and it's funny that 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 didn't come out until years later um so this this friendship this man friendship I developed uh, when I was surfacing out of depression uh was extremely life-changing and um, eye-opening for me and it was medicine it was some kind of elixir that uh, helped me grow and helped me manage some of my feelings because this this man would ask me questions that would force me to think about what I really felt or you know what mattered He, he just has a way of (laughs) <laughs> and he still does it today. He's he's one of my best friends, truly, and I, I love him dearly. Um, and he has a way, I, I could make a statement about something that I think, and he will just kind of deconstruct it into individual thoughts that make up that larger thought, and he'll ask me questions sort of on a more base level. Uh, and I haven't thought of the the answer to those questions until he's posed it. And it's it's a great um, challenge to my thinking, and it forces me to understand why I think things. And I have to say, sometimes he points things out in my thinking uh, by asking me questions that have made me change my thinking uh, because it illuminated maybe what I perceived as a shortcoming or a misstep in thought process. So... Um, it, in summing up uh, the significance of, of this great friend of mine, I mean, now I think of him as kind of a 
younger brother and I've, you know, become friends and his wife is now completely comfortable with me. She's not worried about me as any kind of threat. Although that did take, I mean, maybe we're coming up on a decade of friendship. I would say it took (laughs) maybe five years for his wife to maybe see I wasn't really husband stealing or aiming to husband steal. Um, he's a, he's a very good friend and I really value his insight. And so I wish married people could open themselves up so that, you know, you, you didn't have to get divorced as I did to open a door to this kind of friendship. And yes, it can be risky. I suppose people could end up feeling more for this kind of a friendship than, than just friendship. They could be feeling romantic things. Um, we can call that a risk or we could call it, um, an enlightenment, you know, I don't know. I mean, I think a lot of marriages are functioning, um, on fumes rather than, uh, on anything substantial. And so they're held together by threads. And in that case, perhaps these friendships, um, could potentially, uh, I, I guess I was going to say harm the marriage, but is it harm harming a marriage if a marriage breaks up because it's barely held together by threads? I'll leave that with with uh, whoever's listening to think and ponder over. Um, again, my opinion is marriage is great or commitment is great, um, but I think sometimes it has its limits and it stops working. And I just don't see hanging on to things uh, that don't work to be that valuable. Um, anyway, um, I'll leave, I'll leave you with that and, uh, um, see you next time or hear you next time, or you'll hear me next time. Um, friendships, go make new ones and be open, I think, to learning from other people. And with that, I'll talk to you next time. Bye.